Pastor David Willis. And guys, uh, we have now done our first episode of the podcast. Got a lot of really good feedback. Uh, how about you, Pastor Robbie? What did you hear? Yeah, I've been having lots of people asking when we were going to be back on and kind of let me know some of the things we'd be discussing and some of that. So we actually intended to be back here last week, but I didn't manage to do that. So I've been pretty excited to get back on this week and say hey to everybody again. Had a lot of things get out of uh, beyond our control last week, and yep. so uh, we were dealing with a lot of things personally in the church and sickness and things, and uh, and so we are just really excited to be back with you today, and uh, we're going to uh, actually be talking about a sermon thought that I preached in the uh, a new thing series, uh, discussing about just kind of living and life in the wilderness. And so, Pastor Robbie, why don't you build us a platform to work off of today? Sure. So today in particular, we're going to be drawing from that message a few weeks ago, looking at leadership lessons from the wilderness. And so we're going to draw from a few of our favorite leaders in the Old Testament. And then we're going to close with with a leader from the New Testament that I think will be pretty familiar to everybody. His name is Jesus. You've likely heard from We should know him. About him a time or two. Once or twice I've heard the name. But I, I want to start us off with one of my favorite Old Testament figures. His name is Joseph. Before we do, uh, a quote, uh, David, that you shared in the uh, in the message a few weeks ago. You said, you will face the wilderness but God wants to give you a new mindset while you are in the wilderness. We often view the wilderness as a God-forsaken place. You don't want to go to the wilderness, but because of necessity, you will go. What a powerful, powerful statement that I think the last couple of weeks, I've, I've just found more and more meaning to it, it seems like. What uh, where did that come from? What, when you said that, what what place was that coming out of in your own life? You know, reality is that uh, we all want seasons. Uh, the McCamies used to sing the song "God on the Mountain," and we always want mountain top relationships with God. We want to be on the mountain, and when we are, we're we're so excited and we're happy and free, and God's the best thing in the world. But truly, if you look in Scripture, especially at the three particular leaders and then Christ himself that we're going to look at today, you will realize that a lot of their walk was spent in more wilderness type seasons than it was mountaintop seasons. So true. And so often what we don't want to acknowledge or think about is the fact that for our true growth to take place, we will be in the wilderness. It is a necessity. There are things that I have learned as a pastor and a leader that I am not uh, or would not have been equipped or ready to handle had I not had a wilderness experience that took place before that. Right. So when we look at the life of Joseph, Joseph first appears on the pages of Scripture around Genesis chapter 37. He's 17 years old, and he is his father's favorite. Uh, his daddy gives him a coat of many colors and 
makes life a lot easier for him and his brothers. His brothers get real jealous of that. And Joseph one day has a dream. And in that dream, he dreams that his brothers, his mom and dad are all bound down to him. He sees the stars, the sun, the moon, but they all understood the meaning. Well, Joseph was pretty excited about his dream when he told it to his family, but they weren't quite as excited as he was. Yeah. So uh, some of his brothers wanted to kill him, but Reuben said, shed no blood, but throw him into this pit in the wilderness. And the Bible says when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off his coat. They threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There's no water in it. So 17 years old, Joseph has this wilderness experience this pit experience that would have been enough to destroy most people, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. But when I, when I reflect on this past and preaching in the past, I've often said that the pit became a portal because from that pit, he was transferred to, transported to Potiphar's house. From Potiphar's house, he ends up in the dungeon. Prison house, yeah. And from mm -hmm. the dungeon, he ultimately ends up at Pharaoh's right hand and he becomes second in command over all of Egypt that's a crazy story when you look at it. But when I thought about it, I thought, well, why did Joseph need to go through all that? My old pastor suggested this. He said that God allows the things that we face, Walter Bush used to say this, to build character and integrity in our lives. Because Proverbs says a man's gift will make room for him, room before, before kings. But if your integrity and your character is not solid, your gift may take you where your character can't keep you. So those wilderness experiences... They can really build some things in our life that make us able to lead in ways we never would have been able to otherwise. I think, Pastor Robbie, if you also look, imagine being Joseph, 17 years old, as you said, he's never truly spent a hard day in his life up to this point. I mean, he's had right. some bickering with his brothers, but he was his father's favorite. The first true challenge that we see for Joseph, other than jealousy and hatred a little bit, is when he is thrown in that pit. I mean, oftentimes our walks with God, we want to remember the seasons where we didn't have to face the wilderness. And Joseph instantly goes from 17 years old, his father's favorite and everything being took care of and handed to him to a slave the next right. thing. Right. So imagine the challenge he faces in his first true wilderness experience. Right. And as if slave is not bad enough, he goes from slave to prisoner. Yeah. Right. You know, so uh, we're quite a bit of a downgrade in, in where we're going here. And, uh, you know, Pastor Robbie, uh, to build off of some things that, that, Brother David has said, and that you have said, I remembered um, for the life of me, I can't remember who said it, but I thought it was such a powerful uh, thing to say is that nobody does want to go through those wilderness times. However, it's in the wilderness that God uh, helps you understand your true identity and helps you understand what you were created and you were made for. Uh, you know, and, and that's, in my opinion, very well brought out with the life of Joseph, as well as the other men that we're going to discuss today, you know, Jesus included is that the wilderness times trained them for something very specific that um, they perhaps could not have handled uh, had they not had those those moments to establish their own identity and who they were and 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 test them and try them. That's good. You know, when you look at Joseph's life, just a couple of thoughts before we, we move on to our, our next leader. Um, Psalm 105, verse 17 to 21, really summarizes what this, wilderness experience did for Joseph, it says this in verse 17 and following, he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. 
They hurt his feet with fetters. His neck was put in an iron collar. But verse 19 is powerful. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Mm-hmm. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made Joseph lord over his house and ruler of all his possessions. Verse 19, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him, is a powerful leadership truth of what happens in the wilderness. Joseph was no more called when he was Pharaoh's second in command than he was when he was that snotty-nosed 17-year-old brat that wanted to tell his brothers that he was going to rule over yeah, all of them. That's right. But through this whole intermediate period, and Joseph, when you when you look at it all, Joseph was about 44 when he was reconciled with his brothers, mm-hmm. ultimately. Through that whole season of life, you see that uh, through all that, the word of the Lord is testing Joseph and he's having to determine what kind of a man am I going to be? Am I going to be somebody that holds on to bitterness? Am I going to be vengeful? There's 13 years that pass from the time of his dream until the time that he stands at Pharaoh's right hand. There's another 14 years that pass before he's reconciled to his brothers. That's 27 years. And we're not talking days here. During which Joseph's having to determine what kind of a man am I going to be? When one of his sons is born in Manasseh, he literally names that son a name that means God made me forget. That's right. Joseph's saying, I refuse to hold on to that. (laughs) And of course, uh, there's a, a time in the latter part of Genesis when he says to his brothers, his brothers are just sure he's seeking vengeance because of what they did to him. He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Mm -hmm. That's a fully formed leader that can say the tragedies in my life were the word of God testing me. Absolutely. I think if you look at Joseph, often um, his life represents, like many of ours do, if you realize when Joseph had his dream that ends up being a prophetic dream later on in his life, his dream was no less true but the requirement of god was that for him to get to where god wanted him to go he had to go through the wilderness that's right and it took that walk through the wilderness to make his dream become prophetic i think often what happens is is that we think because we are in the wilderness the prophecy that come before that to us or the things that were promises or hopes from god before we lose sight of those because we think well if this is really what god wanted for me i wouldn't be walking in this wilderness Mm -hmm. that could not be any farther from the truth the reality is it took the walk through the wilderness to get Joseph to the place where he was supposed to be so that he could fulfill the prophetic word that God had given him. Amen. Right. Rob, why don't you take us into our next leader? If uh, if you will, uh, we're going to look at Moses just a little bit. Rob, why don't you give us some details on that? Absolutely. I would be glad to. So we have the story of Joseph. Um, and if you're following along, uh, we have the story of Joseph. And then it all turns out good. He has the Manasseh experience, forgives his brothers. His brothers and father come to live with him there in Egypt. And, you know, life is good. Then turn the page, right? And the Bible says there arose a king or there arose a Pharaoh, depending upon which translation that you look at, um, who knew not Joseph nor his ways. Some translations say nor his God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically what happens is the Pharaohs get to looking around going, hey, there's a whole lot of Jewish people in in, in Egypt um, maybe we need to do something about the fact that they could easily outnumber us. Right. Why don't we turn them into slaves? And so now an entire 
people group is enslaved. And, you know, God's people are, are, are crying out for somebody. And who does God send? God sends Moses. And Moses um, is, is saved by, from the wrath of Pharaoh. Pharaoh had ordered all the firstborn sons be murdered or be killed, be thrown, fed to the crocodiles, whatever you want to use your imagination here. I'm sure they came up with all kinds of creative ways. But he is saved nonetheless. He's floated in a basket down the Nile. And where should he end up? He ends up at Pharaoh's daughter. Right, yeah. uh, and so he ends up getting raised by Think of that for a second. He ends yeah. up getting raised by the very man who wanted to uh, destroy this and wow. end this from happening. And so um, Moses grows up and through different events in his life, he's now in a place where he's on the run. And where does he run? Where does he flee to? He flees to the backside of the desert or as you know, some people might look at it, the wilderness. Right. So where does Moses go before he can fulfill what God has has preordained and decided and and uh, chosen for him to do? Uh, because when when he was saved as a baby, this is what God had in mind. You know, he was not taken off guard or surprised and say, "Oh, I didn't know Pharaoh was going to do that." And and my first point with that is that if God knows enough and is good enough to lead me to the wilderness. I should have enough faith to trust him that he's going to be able to lead me through the wilderness. Amen. And whatever is going to occur in there is for my good. Because Moses' first leadership experience, the very first time he ever tried to witness to someone, he ends up murdering the man he was witnessing to. Yeah. You know, he's, he's telling an Egyptian, you should not, you shouldn't hurt that man. And, and they get into a scuffle, he kills the man, right? Yeah. Well, so where does this this great qualified leader go to? He ends up on the backside of the desert and he get, hones his skills being a shepherd. He hones his skills leading flocks and herds on the backside of the desert. And when God encounters him, he throws up every single possible excuse yes. that he can think of. Yeah. He says, you know, that he said, I'm not a very good talker. You know, I, I can't speak very well. And God says, oh, I've got you covered. I've got Aaron for you. And he said, but more than that, who made man's mouth? Yeah. Right. And so that brings me on to my second point. A lot of times because of what we experience through those wilderness moments, we want to disqualify ourselves for the things that God has equipped us and called us to. You know, Brother Robbie, I shared with you uh, recently something that I thought was just incredible that I had heard uh, a fact, a trivia about the the, uh, the Godfather movies. Mm -hmm. So the man who wrote the screenplay for the uh, movies, The Godfather uh, Part 1 and Part 2, he also wrote the book. And so he adapted his own book into a screenplay, had never done it before, yeah. and uh, gets nominated and wins two Oscars. And he thinks, hey, I'm pretty good at this screenplay writing thing. Maybe I should make a go of it. And so he decides... I'm going to do some research and I'm going to study and I'm going to learn how to do this. He goes and he purchases a book and he gets home and he opens the book. And the very first chapter he reads, study the Godfather. Wow. So that's awesome. this man <laughs> that's who awesome. says, I know nothing about how to write a screenplay. I better go study. Other people who write screenplays say, if you want to write a good screenplay, you study what that man did. And so what ends up happening in our lives is we disqualify ourselves because we want to compare ourselves to others. And God uniquely creates us and shapes us and fashions us because he has a call on our life that he wants us to accomplish. And so, I mean, 
If I spend my whole life trying to be Robbie Willis, I'm going to fail. If I try to spend my whole life being David Willis, I'm going to fail. I'm a pretty terrible David Willis, but I'm a pretty good Rob LaRue. And I'm exactly the way that God intended me to be in that. That is such a powerful illustration of how the spiritual formation process takes place. When you look at Moses' first 40 years, Stephen and his sermon that, that he preached in Acts chapter 7 says that Moses was a man who was mighty in word and deed. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's skilled in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and all of this, mm-hmm. but yet that powerful self-willed man tries to be a deliverer and it goes south on him. Yeah. So then he goes to the wilderness. He spends 40 years there mm-hmm. and there he moves from this position of pride to, to maybe almost too much humility where he can't hear God saying, go, I've, mm-hmm. I've selected you. Yeah. But now he moves in this position of, of humility and reliance on God. It would have been easy for Moses to say, man, I'm, I'm washed up. I'm a has-been. I, I haven't been to Egypt in 40 years. But the truth is, those 40 years in the wilderness were just as formative as those 40 years in Egypt, all preparing for what God had for them. So the mm-hmm. leadership lesson for us is, don't despise your formation, but submit to that. It's all, got, all right. part of God's plan. I can imagine <laughs> What a, I don't I know nothing about making movies. I, I should go read The Godfather. Hey, I, I wrote The Godfather. Wrote the Godfather. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And my final thing that mm-hmm. I, I wanted to point out with Moses is his second uh, wilderness experience. You know, he lead he goes back to Egypt. He leads the people out of Egypt, and now they wander the wilderness and they end up wandering for forty years. And somebody who knows their scripture may tell you, yeah, but that doesn't work out really good for Moses because he never gets to see the promised land. And it's this. Sometimes the things that we go through in the wilderness are never even about us. Wow. It's about the other people. I believe uh, Pastor David said recently that uh, your vision and your legacy needs to outlive you. Because if it's only about you, then it's not very much of a, a God-focused vision. And so uh, it, with Moses, what he went through in the wilderness was never even about him. It, it was to help establish and lead others to a place where they could enter into what God had promised. That's excellent. I think when you look at Moses, you realize that some of the things that we disqualify about him is one, the burning bush experience, but then two of the greatest miracles that Moses ever performed, mm-hmm. nobody saw. Nobody but him and God even knew they happened. Mm -hmm. And so what we have to understand often about the wilderness is it simply is nothing more than a training ground for what God is going to use us to lead people with later on. What did God say to Moses? Throw your rod down. Moses throws the rod down. And what happens in that very moment, it turns to a snake. He says, take it back up, takes it back up. What happens then, though, when he stands before Pharaoh and he throws his rod down and simply it becomes a... God was training Moses for the future. And what we disqualify about the wilderness is, oh, my Lord, I'm in the wilderness. Well, we don't realize that it's not that God's picking on us. He's not being mean to us in the wilderness. He simply put us there, though, for a training ground for what we will do in the future. And so I think often what happens is we get mad at the wilderness instead of embracing the opportunity that it presents for us. I think as you look at Exodus 13 through 17 there, you see see that Moses' formation, formative time in the wilderness, prepared him then to lead the Israelites through formative time in the wilderness. And so uh, I think about the message that you preached in this. In Exodus chapters 13 through 17, you see God revealing himself in the wilderness 
as protector, guide, provider, one who makes bitter water sweet, one that gives bread from heaven, and one that gives water from the rock. And while the Israelites are murmuring the whole time, Moses is continuing as that leader that knows he's got to depend on God. Mm. So, man, we could spend the next hour and a half talking about Moses. But let's take a second and talk about David. You know, Pastor David, whenever you you preach, you probably refer to David more than just about any Old Testament figure you talk about, really. Tell us about this obsession you have with King David and what we learned from his leadership experience in the wilderness. David, to me, is a prime example, <clears throat> excuse me, is a prime example of the simple fact of, one, our God-given calling but also our human nature uh, is the best way I can I can present it. <clears throat> when I look at David, one of the things I realize, especially about his wilderness experience, the very first thing that you kind of see about him is when he does come down to the battlefield with his brothers, uh, his dad sent him down there to check on him. He goes down to check on him. He sees Goliath there in the children of Israel doing nothing about this giant standing out there challenging them and cursing their God, David begins to ask some questions and his brother Eliab realizes he's kind of asking questions. And Eliab says this statement to him. He says, I know what you're doing. And then he asks him, he says, with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? And what he's reminding him of is, hey, do you know where you're supposed to be? You're down here being a busybody. Uh, and you're supposed to be back there in the wilderness taking care of the sheep where nobody even realizes you're there. Right. One of the differences, I think, if we look at Joseph and Moses is this, with David, excuse me. Joseph and Moses both were brought out of the palace into the wilderness. And when I say palace, Joseph was not in the palace literally, but he was treated extremely well sure. before that. David was literally called by God out of the wilderness to go to the palace. Man, that's yeah. good. And so what we see in that is that I think this time God come and he said, okay, I'm going to bring someone out of a place where nobody would expect them to be, to be my king. And if you look in scripture, you realize there's two very distinct differences. When Saul was chosen, he was chosen by the people. He looked like a king. When David was chosen, he was chosen by God. God said to Samuel, go down to Jesse's house for I have chosen me a king there. This time it was God's king. Go down there and choose the king that I have chosen for me. And he said, he's a king after my own heart. Yeah. We see David though. And what I think the difference is that is so important that we understand about David's life in the wilderness is this. And we said this in the sermon uh, series when we were when we were preaching that particular sermon called A New Mindset was this. David was actually, when things went wrong, when you seen that Saul literally wanted to kill David, where does David run? He runs to the wilderness. That's right. That's because that's where he was comfortable at. That's where David spent the first seasons of his life, literally on the backside of a field, fighting a bear, fighting a lion that no one else knew was back there for him to fight. But in the wilderness, he had seen God do crazy things. So he knew he was safe in the wilderness. Yeah. Guys, if we could ever grab on to the very fact that David did, that yes, God's great when we're on the mountaintop, 
But God's equally as good to us when we're in the wilderness. He's still more than capable to provide, protect, and take care of us. And I think that's what David had the ability to realize was, hey, Saul wants to kill me. I'm going to go to the one place that no king wants to go, the wilderness. And so he took off to the wilderness. I think then you look later on when Absalom is trying to steal the kingdom from him and he's leaving the city. Where does he go? He goes to the wilderness. David continually, time and time again, goes back to the wilderness. And I believe that's because... Because he realized two things. One, he was safe there and God was there. God's just as much God in the wilderness as he is on the mountaintop. But so often we get more caught up in the fact that, man, I'm not on the mountain. And we don't realize or take the time to look around at what we do have in the wilderness. And and I want to get your guys' feedback on this. But as David and we see the life of David, one of the things that amazes me about him is this. It's not always that David is doing everything precisely just right. But it's the fact that regardless of wherever he is at, Mm -hmm. if he's in the palace, if he is in, uh, if he is in Ziklag, which is uh, Philistine country, if he is on the run from Saul, if he is running from his own son, Absalom, no matter where he is at or what he is doing or what he is facing, if it's in the dead center of the wilderness, David is completely comfortable knowing he is in God's control. And I think that's the hardest thing for us about the wilderness is we're doing everything we can to get out of it. And how many times are we spending our seasons that God wants us in the wilderness to learn something, taking things into our own control, trying to fight our way out of the will of God to get back on the mountaintop? Go ahead and share with us your thoughts, Pastor Robbie. I was just thinking that flies in the face of so much modern leadership teaching that, you know, we think you got to have the right brand, you got to go to the right seminars. Yeah. For some, you got to graduate from the right seminary. That's right. Yeah. But for David and Joseph and Moses, you got to go to the wilderness. That's it. And you got to see that God is faithful Amen. when it seems like everything is going wrong. And when you look at the Bible, it seems like that is God's method of leadership development. That a lot of people uh, need to be willing. I have to be willing to go to Wilderness University. That, oh, that's good. And, and, and wait till God mm-hmm. Himself says it's time to graduate. That's a T-shirt right there, guys. We're, <laughs> don't nobody steal that. We're making a T-shirt. All right, Wilderness I'm, I'm University. Already designing it in my head. <laughs> Here, no, I, I completely agree with what you both had to say. Is uh, and and I'm gonna steal one of your stories that you shared with me, Pastor Robbie. Is is that you were? Uh, you told me that you were in college, and as you were sitting there, you were frustrated in one of your classes because you felt like, you know, I should be out there and I should be preaching, I should be booking revivals, I should be doing all these things, and and your teachers were were explaining all of these different ways of how you uh, go from small churches to become pastors of mega churches, and you told me that God spoke to you. And, uh, you know, what, what was it that, that he shared with you that was so impactful? Since I'm telling your story and you are here, I'll just yield it back to you. And let you, you feel free to tell my story whenever you want. <laughs> I do often when you're that, not around, but hardly ever in front of you. <laughs> Rob, that was a formative moment in my mind because I really was in despair and I felt like I didn't have naturally what was needed to advance the same way a lot, a lot of other people did. I'm not a self-promoter. I, I just couldn't do some of that. And I was in prayer and I said, God, I don't see how I'm ever going to be successful in ministry. And this is what God spoke to me. He said, Robbie, faithfulness is the doorway to your destiny. If you'll be faithful to me, I can promote you from anywhere or I can promote you from nowhere. Mm -hmm. But I cannot use you unless you will be faithful. Oh, my gosh. And that's that's exactly what 
it, it makes me think of with what you guys were saying is that they were faithful in these wilderness moments, willing to say, you know, I, I know where I need to be. You know, I'm told I need to be over there taking care of the sheep, but I know where God has placed me and I know what he's wanting me to do and calling me to do. And I have to be faithful to that. And, and that's just, that's such a powerful story to me, which is why I wanted to uh, uh, prompt it and share it because I thought other people would be impacted by it as well. And, and I know gentlemen, uh, one of the best examples of a leader uh, that we can learn lessons from is is the last one that we wanted to discuss, and that is Jesus. And I believe, Pastor Robbie, you had things that you wanted to talk about about that. Yeah, so let's just take a second and, and discuss Christ. I mean, so much of what we see in these others are foreshadows of Jesus. Jesus mm-hmm. is the prophet that is like Moses. He is uh, the son of David. He's heir to the throne of David. He, uh, he is embodied in so many ways by Joseph's faithfulness, Joseph's decision to hold on to integrity and all of this. But then uh, I want to share something my friend Daryl Fitzwater says, and then uh, Dave, I'll let you kind of lead us the next step here. There's so many good things from Jesus' time in the wilderness. But so Jesus goes into the, into the Jordan. He's baptized by John the Baptist. When he comes up from there, the gospel of Mark says, and the spirit drives him into the wilderness. My friend Daryl says that that, he shared how that Greek word that's translated drive is ekbalo. It's the same word that is used when Jesus would drive out demons. He would drive them forcefully. Oh, wow. So just like Jesus forcefully drove demons out, now the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus and forcefully compels him to go to the wilderness where he's going to fast for 40 days and he's going to face Satan. And so sometimes when we're saying, oh, I don't want to be in this wilderness, we're not fighting the devil. We're not careful. We're yeah. fighting God himself. Oh my. It's the Holy Ghost that's, that's trying to drive us to wow. the wilderness that's saying, powerful. you got to go deal with what's in the wilderness. That's good. Dave, we're coming up on close to the end of our time, but why don't you and Rob, y'all help us just understand maybe a little bit of what Jesus shows us in the wilderness here. I think if you look uh, in what we see scripturally with Christ, when he goes to the wilderness, uh, again, we're talking about the very fact of leadership, but once he's baptized and his ministry begins, when the heavens open and God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, the very next step he takes is Wilderness University, as you said. He goes and spends 40 days and 40 nights in Wilderness University. And it's at that point that with everything inside of him, and it is of my own belief that we get from text the, the temptations that the enemy brings to him that we are made aware of. But I wonder what that 40 days truly was like, because there was probably a lot more going on in that wilderness than we realize. And Jesus tells Satan, you know, in in those things, he says, you've got to understand, uh, devil, regardless of what you bring at me, this wilderness is only going to catapult me to what my true calling on this earth is. And guys, we've got to start realizing that our wilderness moments are not meant to destroy us. Mm -hmm. They're not meant for us to lay down and die, and they are literally meant to be a trampoline to our future. That's Absolutely. what I believe with everything in me. Absolutely. Rob, why don't you carry us? But before we do it, and before we close, I want, uh, when we get to the end of this podcast, each of us to take about 30, 45 seconds and tell something that we've personally experienced in a wilderness experience for our own selves. Absolutely. Um, you know, Lydia and I went through 
quite a wilderness experience last year. And uh, well, I say last year, uh, end of 2021, rolling into uh, 2022, we had an incredible wilderness experience. Um, just in brief summary, um, Lydia was expecting, we went to youth camp and on the very last day of youth camp, uh, we lost the baby. Just a few months later, had another failed pregnancy. Um, and so we went through losing two children in a very quick span of time. And then after that, God uh, relocated us from Mississippi to Arkansas. He knew that was going to happen. We did not. Mm-hmm. And so to us, that was a, a wilderness yeah. moment of losing any and all of the stability that we had had. And in that moment, uh, in, in that experience, one of the things that, that I learned is that all of the things that God had allowed me to go through up to that point was to prepare me for what he was birthing out of that wilderness experience. Because it was while we were going through that wilderness experience, we came home to Arkansas. Lydia looked at me while we were driving home, uh, still figuring out how we were going to get everything moved, looked at me, our children in the backseat. And she says, where are we going to church on Sunday? And without hesitation, I said, we're going to Dave's. You know, uh, it's no secret that Pastor David is one of one of my best friends. I said, I'm going home. And if I'm going home, I'm going to David's, you know. Um, And and we had no idea what God had in mind to us. We were coming home to a safe place to heal. But what God was doing was bringing us into the link because he knew what he had already birthed on your heart on, on and growing this college ministry and and being involved on the praise and worship team. Literally, literally Lydia and I were just telling somebody, I think yesterday, um, that when we joined the praise and worship team, uh, it was in the middle of the service. You looked at Lydia and you pointed to the drums and she shook her head and mm-hmm. said no. And you practically went down and grabbed her and forced her to sit mm-hmm. on the drums. Mm-hmm. And you didn't even give me that option. You just brought me a mic and threw it at me. Mm-hmm. And so and God we've knows. been part of the worship team ever since. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. um, it's one of those things that uh, we went through a worship, or uh, we went through a wilderness experience. And in those moments, we did not see how we were any good to anyone because of all of the chaos around us. But it was God using those things and the things that we had gone through before, all of these setbacks were actually setups for what God was wanting to do uh, in this church and with us. And uh, Pastor Robbie, I'll pass it to you. My mind goes back to the year 2002 when in one week's time, I buried two sons. Mm -hmm. And so Nicholas died. We had a funeral. And a matter of days later, uh, Nathan died as well. Jesus. The day before my 22nd birthday. And in the days leading up to their passing, I read through the book of Job. And I found solace in the book. And, And I came upon, in a moment, I just felt like I was losing my mind. I came upon these words where Job wrote, Oh, that my words were now written, that they were engraven with an iron pen and lead in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives and that he shall stand at the latter day upon this earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God whom I shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold him. not another. 
Um, I continued preaching through that time. It was tough. I was walking through a low valley from the wilderness. But everywhere that God opened the door for the next year for me to preach, I opened with that passage from the book of Job. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and this was what I shared. Is in the moment when my second son was leaving this life and I was losing it, my wife looked up at me while holding our infant son and she said, you remember that God is still God. Amen. I believe that's what Job was saying. And in the wilderness, we got to remind ourselves, God's still God. Yes, he is. Absolutely. In my own personal experience, I would say this. Um, I remember when my dad had gotten sick, and, and this was probably not my most wilderness moment, but it was something I learned the most in the wilderness. My dad was very sick. Uh, I remember sitting in his living room. It was just me and him. He had lost a lot of the ability to even speak at that point. And he looks over at me and he says, you think this is about me? And I and I looked at him and I said, what do you mean? And he said, you think that me being sick and making my way to glory is about me? He said, but it's not. He said, this is about you. And I looked at him and he said, the enemy thinks that if he can stop me, if he takes me, that you'll give up on God. Mm-hmm. And he said, I want you to promise me that no matter what happens in this season of life, that you'll remember that God's still God and you'll still serve him. And I'll never forget that because often we think that our wilderness experience is about us. And oftentimes what my dad was reminding me was, look, I'm in the wilderness and I'm paying a price in the wilderness. Yeah. But this isn't just about me. It's about the enemy. It's about generation after generation. As they sang that song, The Blessing, uh, generation after generation, family uh, down the road. The enemy was looking at this as if I can attack you here. Maybe I can stop generations futuristically from going where you're trying to go. And I think we have to understand that our wilderness experiences are not always about us. Sometimes they're simply about God training us, preparing us, or it's about the simple fact that it's what we do in that wilderness that everybody is watching and where we stand and how we come out of it is going to determine whether they continue to walk or follow God or not. Mm -hmm. Pastor Robbie, would you get us some closing thoughts here uh, and then pray us out of here this afternoon? Absolutely. I want to pray over our listeners, but before I do, just a simple conclusion. A couple weeks ago at church, we sang this song that was brought to us by Corey Asbury and Bethel Music. It feels like an appropriate way to conclude. The words say, when I'm at my end, you're just getting started. Amen. When I hit a wall, you just walk through. When I face a mountain, you are the maker, so it's got to move. When I'm out of faith, you are still faithful. When I'm at my worst, you are still good. In all of my questions, you are the answer. It all points to you. Because you're the God of the breakthrough when I'm breaking down. You'll be working a way through when there's no way out. This one thing I know, you're still on your throne. So whatever I'm feeling, I've still got a reason to praise. I've still got a reason to praise. For all those that are listening today, we just want to pray for you. And we just want to ask God to meet you in the wilderness. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you you, for this time together with my friends. And I thank you for all of our listeners that 
Perhaps they're going through a wilderness moment right now. Lord, we ask that they would not despair. But as the Holy Spirit once drove Christ into the wilderness, I pray that we too will discover the voice of the Spirit in the wilderness more clearly than ever before. So that like Jesus, when we can't find direction, we can say it is written, it is written, it is written. Lord, I thank you that in the wilderness, you're forming leaders. In the wilderness, you're you're bringing iron into our souls. So I pray for all that listen, that they would not give up, that they would not grow weary in well-doing, because you said in due time, we're going to reap if we do not faint. Lord, I speak strength. I speak encouragement. I speak blessing over them. And for all those leaders you're raising up from the wilderness, Lord, let them be strong in you and in the power of your might. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. We'd like to thank you all for joining us, and uh, we look forward to meeting with you again soon. Have a wonderful week, and uh, thank you for listening to the E5 Podcast. Oh, 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 oh,